This is episode 376 of the AWS podcast, released on June 28, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Great to have you back and joined, of course, by Nikki Stone. Good night, Nikki. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am well. Have you been writing a lot of code of late? What's the coding load like in your life? Um, I've definitely been in a lot of code holes um, <laughs> because I'm trying to avoid what's going on in the world. <laughs> have you discovered that the more you know about software development, the more time you spend digging holes? Yes. The more little rabbit holes you can find yourself in, the more you learn, just the more you keep going down different pathways. And then, you know, before you know it, eight hours have passed and you're like, oh, did I just lose the whole day to something (laughs) random? And I didn't get done what I wanted to get done. Welcome to software development. Exactly. (laughs) A whole bunch of people now. Cue a whole bunch of people in the podcast nodding sagely. go, yep, (laughs) that was my day. Well, hopefully we have some updates that will save some of that work. Uh, Let's start with the AWS Marketplace. So the AWS Marketplace has now enabled software as a service or SaaS contract upgrades and renewals. So this means you can easily upgrade and renew your SaaS contracts and your contracts with consumption pricing and private offers very, very easily. Uh, So if you haven't used the AWS Marketplace, it's actually an awesome place for customers to find, buy, deploy and manage third-party software that runs on AWS. Now, with SaaS contract upgrades and renewals, customers can keep up with their changing business needs and accommodate expanding workloads on AWS. So if you need to change the, the amount of, uh, of licensing you're using or the capacity, et cetera, it's easy to update within the console. It's a great way to get access to software you might not normally get access to. So the AWS Marketplace has also launched rapid data delivery for sellers and consulting partners. So starting today, sellers can review and analyze critical financial offering tax and buy information within one day. So, for example, disbursements data will be available within a day after the disbursement is complete. And sellers can now also ingest the data fields into AWS tools like Amazon Athena or Amazon QuickSight or into your own organization's preferred reporting tools to create customized views and dashboards. And the seller's business development and accounting professionals can now access the data needed for sales compensation, accounting reconciliation, financial planning and tax audits in a timely manner without having to coordinate across multiple reports. Moving on to the topic of analytics, one quick update. Amazon MSK now supports Apache Kafka version upgrades. So you can now take advantage of the new Apache Kafka features and bug fixes by upgrading the version of Apache Kafka deployed on new and existing Amazon managed streaming for Apache Kafka clusters. Um, MSK uses rolling upgrade best practices to maintain high availability and support cluster IO throughout a version upgrade. And there's a guide for how to do so if you'd like to take advantage of it. Another quick update in the topic of blockchain. Uh, this one's pretty awesome. I've been waiting for it for a long time. Amazon QLDB now supports real-time streaming. So this feature was in preview for a while and is now gone GA. So what you can do is you can emit data stored in QLDB directly to Kinesis data streams. Um, and this streaming capability allows you to react quickly to new events. So like a change in account balance for a banking ledger application and easily integrate with downstream services such as Lambda or Elasticsearch, um, or even put the data in another database like Aurora, if you so choose. Um, You can use the streaming capability to develop event-driven workflows, real-time analytics, and also replicate journal data to other AWS services for advanced analytical processing. It's super cool. I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, QLDB is one of my favorite services. Very useful, and that just adds to the capability. 
Moving on to the topic of business applications. So Amazon Chime now has custom chat retention policies. So this means that you can control uh, how long things are set for. Retention policies can be set in daily increments with a minimum of one day and a maximum of 15 years. And these policies are applied to chat rooms created by users in the enterprise account and to conversations where all participants are users in the enterprise account. Uh, When a retention policy is set, all messages that have met the retention period will be deleted from Amazon Chime and new messages will be deleted as they reach the end of the retention period. The Amazon Chime SDK also has now added data messages for real-time signaling. This is a very cool new capability. So now if you're building on the Amazon Chime SDK for JavaScript, you can use data messages to send signals between clients connected to an Amazon Chime SDK meeting. Now messages can be any small data payload in any format that a developer wants to transmit in real-time between meeting attendees. Developers can use data messages to indicate changes to meeting state, power custom-built collaborative features like emoji reactions or shared whiteboards, or for other purposes appropriate to their applications. So basically the ability is to send data messages of up to 2K. Messages are not stored persistently but can be buffered and replayed for up to five minutes to catch up clients that are just joining the meeting. So this is pretty nifty little capability, Nikki. Yeah, sounds like it. Moving on to the topic of compute, AWS Fargate now encrypts data stored on ephemeral storage by default in platform version 1.4. So Fargate, as you know, is our serverless compute engine for Amazon ECS and Amazon EKS, and it now encrypts data stored on the ephemeral storage with service managed keys using industry standard AES-256 cryptographic algorithm. Fargate provides 20 gigabytes of ephemeral storage for applications to download and process data. And customers who use Fargate now have data stored on the ephemeral storage encrypted by default. Encryption and decryption are handed seamlessly, of course, so you do not have to modify your applications to access your data. ECS wasn't quite done. They also have launched container health checks and load balancer views in Spinnaker version 1.20. So they've launched support for these container health checks and a new user interface for load balancers in Spinnaker version 1.2. And you can now use container health checks throughout a Spinnaker deployment pipeline, which is integrated with all of ECS services. You can view and filter load balances for ECS services within Spinnaker itself to see load balancers and the deployment pipeline for your ECS services in the same tool. Pretty cool if you use Spinnaker. Definitely. Moving on to the topic of customer engagement, one quick update here, Amazon Connect now supports selection of multiple blocks within the contact flow editor. So this means you can now move them as a group within your contact flows, which saves you time and effort. In the old days, before this uh, release, to move a sequence of blocks, you'd have to move each individual block and drop them. Now you can just group them together and do it in one go. A simple yet wonderful change. Moving on to the topic of databases. (laughs) Amazon RDS Proxy Preview is now available in eight additional AWS regions. So now you can get it in North California, Mumbai, Seoul, Singapore, Sydney, Canada Central, Frankfurt, and London as well. Now, RDS Proxy, as a reminder, is a fully managed, highly available database proxy for RDS. And it sits between your application and its database to pool and share established database connections, improving database efficiency and application scalability. In the case of a failure, RDS Proxy automatically connects to a standby database instance while preserving connections from your application and reduces failover times for RDS and Aurora multi-AZ databases by up to 66%. And uh, it means it also helps you manage your database credentials and access can be managed through the AWS Secrets Manager and IAM, which means no more embedding of credentials in application code, which is of course a no-no. 
Uh, proxying is really important for performance. <laughs> <laughs> Am I saying something you've uh, told many people there, Nikki? Don't put your creds in your code. <laughs> yes, or or that I've seen done before many mm. times. Yeah, we all do it once, and then we <laughs> then we uh, get push and go. Oh. <laughs> that was a mistake. Right. Uh, another, exactly. Another update for RDS. RDS Data API and RDS Query Editor are also available in additional regions. So Singapore, Sydney, Tokyo, Mumbai, Ireland, Frankfurt, London. Paris, North Virginia, Ohio, North California, and Oregon all now have the availability of the Amazon RDS Data API. This lets you focus on building your applications without worrying about managing database connections or connection pools. So if you don't want to even bother with connection pools, you can now issue SQL commands against an Aurora serverless cluster by simply invoking a HTTPS API endpoint. Uh, this is really cool, I've got to say, uh, completely from a personal perspective, in that uh, my two passions in technology life at the moment are serverless and SQL, uh, the old mixed or the new mixed with the old. And this really brings the best of both worlds because you can use SQL skills without having to have servers. The other thing that's coming on. I agree, on, it's so cool. It is. It's fun, isn't it? It's nice to bring you know, something that's like over well over 50 years old with something that's not. <laughs> did i just describe the podcast i don't know um familiar. <laughs> exactly yeah the new with the familiar it's familiar and innovative at the same time i like it i like it and the amazon rds query editor also provides a easy way for admins and developers to run sql queries without having to install and set up an external jdbc odbc client uh, query results are instantly visible within the management console now that's a nifty one where you know you talked about spending that day trying to get something done to get something else done the number of times I've tried to install the right query, <laughs> JDBC drivers and editor, and just <laughs> spent hours on that. Uh, I don't have to do that anymore. And uh, God, exactly, love these updates. exactly. Yeah. And, and another local local update for developers is Amazon DynamoDB Local now has support for empty values for non-key string and binary attributes, and it also supports twenty-five item transactions. So this is again a wonderful tool. This is, again, a tool that has saved me personally hours of development by just building stuff in that. So if you haven't used, if you use DynamoDB and you haven't used DynamoDB local, you're missing out. And one last database update, Amazon Neptune has refreshed the console to simplify database creation. So there is now a single page to create a database with the ability to add tags during cluster creation, and we always tag our work, and the ability to choose instance type for Workbench as well. So it makes it all simple, quick, and easy, and it is available to you now. Love all those updates. A lot of them were for serverless developers. To summarize, if you're a serverless developer and you haven't checked out everything that Simon just said, please check it out. Uh, moving on to the topic of developer tools. Ooh, my favorite. AWS code build test reporting is now generally available. Uh, so test reporting, just as a reminder, gives you a detailed and actionable view of your test executions in code build makes and make eh, making it easier for you to investigate test failures. Uh, with test reporting, you can view historical trends, aggregated metrics, or details of test failure for tests executed on code build. These capabilities are supported for any test framework that outputs files for JUnit, Cucumber, TestNG, or TRX and it is now generally available. That's exciting. This one's pretty cool. AWS Toolkit for JetBrains announces support for CLion, PHP Storm, Golan, and RubyMine IDEs. So basically every possible IDE that JetBrains supports, <laughs> we now support. 
customers are able to download the AWS toolkit from these newly supported JetBrains IDEs by browsing the plugin marketplace from within the IDEs. Uh, so, you know, that adds to the additional ones we already supported, like PyCharm, WebStorm, and IDEA. So those are the existing ones we support, including Writer, and now we support CLion, PHPStorm, Golan, and RubyMine, just to additionally let you know. There is a deep talent in our developer community to create names for projects. <laughs> It's just great. You can use a whole sentence that to someone not in the community will go, what are they talking about? Basically. <laughs> Moving on to the topic of machine learning, AWS announces deep learning containers for TensorFlow 2.2. So you can now launch these new versions of the deep learning containers on Amazon SageMaker, EKS. Uh, you can also launch it in ECS as well. And uh, you can get a complete list of the frameworks and versions in the release notes. But some of the uh, the good stuff is all the latest versions of all the things you might want to use. Things like NVIDIA CUDA, CUDNN, Intel MKL, Horovod, and other required software components to give you a great deep learning experience. Now, this is really something for those deep learning practitioners who want to go super deep with the tools. This gives you your assemblance of tools uh, in one go. And also Amazon Transcribe now supports vocabulary filtering for real-time transcription. So remember Amazon Transcribe is an automated speech recognition service, so it makes it easy to do speech to text in your application. Now when transcribing audio streams, you can instruct Amazon Transcribe to automatically mask, remove, or tag specific terms in the transcription results based on the vocabulary that you specify. So uh, you could uh, use a vocabulary filter to automate remove or automatically, I should say, remove profane words from the transcription results for content moderation or generating family-friendly captions. Um, you create a vocabulary filter once and use it when processing multiple audio streams. And you can also have multiple vocabulary filters and choose which one should be used in a particular audio stream. Now, this is available both for the batch and streaming transcription APIs. That was a really cool update. Moving on to the topic of management and governance, you can now deploy AWS config rules and conformance packs across an organization from a delegated member account. So last year, config launched the ability to deploy config rules and conformance packs across an account from the master account in AWS organizations. Starting today, you can now deploy these config artifacts from any delegated member account in your organization in addition to the master account. This option provides additional flexibility to users who want to manage these deployments centrally from a dedicated account, such as an audit, security, or compliance account. And you can get started by registering a member account as a delegated admin for the organization. After that member account is registered, you can now use that account to set up organization conformance pack or organization AWS config rules through the CLI or an SDK. AWS Systems Manager Explorer now provides a multi-account, multi-region summary of AWS Compute Optimizer recommendations. So this summary will help you improve cost and performance for your workloads. System Manager Explorer is an operations dashboard that provides a view of your operations data, such as patch compliance and instance details, helping you see where you may need to investigate and remediate operational issues. Compute Optimizer delivers Amazon Elastic Compute Cloud instance recommendations so they can quickly identify the most impactful optimization opportunities. And you can see all of your operations data and Compute Optimizer recommendations in one aggregated view from the Systems Manager Explorer. That's pretty cool. 
It is very nice indeed. And one more quick update on that topic is that there is a new query for AWS availability zones and local zones using the AWS Systems Manager Parameter Store. So you can now programmatically access information about those zones in addition to existing information about regions, services, and endpoints. So you can get the full list of all the stuff that's available by querying the Manager Parameter Store. That makes a nice, easy way to access things in scripts and code without hard coding anything. Data is available now. You can start using it at no charge. Moving on to the topic of mobile, super exciting announcement for my team. Kind of a we big are deal. announcing <laughs> the general availability of Amplify iOS and Amplify Android with authentication data and AI ML support. We took these libraries in preview at reInvent, if you remember, and they are now GA, which is so awesome. These libraries are organized by use case and provide declarative programming interfaces that enable mobile developers to easily add capabilities such as authentication, analytics, predictions, API, and data store and storage to their mobile apps with just a few lines of code. You can use these libraries with backends created using the CLI or with existing AWS backends that you've already created. And we also include support for escape hatches, which allows you to access those low-level SDK interfaces for any additional use cases that we didn't cover inside Amplify. This is super exciting. I highly suggest you check it out. I'm uh, I'm really happy for my team on this one. It was a very, very large win for us. This is really interesting too. It's worth spending a moment on given your close association there is, um, is I like the fact that you've thought about it or the team has thought about it from an abstraction perspective, but also with the escape hatches. So, so tell us maybe a little bit about some of the, the trade-offs you're thinking about there of trying to make it easy to use, but get all the good stuff. I think one of the difficulties of using the low-level SDK uh, as a mobile developer is it's really hard to understand how you should use it and for which things you should you should use which services. Um, and so we obviously, as a team, Amplify, also for JS, decided that we were going to build a use case library. So we were going to do things in use cases. So what do you want to do? I want to, I need storage. I need an API. I need fill in the blank, whatever you need. And then it's really easy to take that category and just say storage dot, you know, get object storage dot save file, like anything that makes sense to you generically, that's how all of the categories and the use cases are defined and written. And so the interfaces are really easy to consume and take advantage of because you actually don't even know have to know anything about AWS to take advantage. But if you are one of those advanced developers that has a deeper understanding of AWS and you do need something that we didn't include in a use case for whatever reason, maybe you're doing something very complicated and advanced, uh, we do provide you with that escape hatch. So you can just get at it super quickly and efficiently, um, you know, and we're not disrupting your your development flow. That's really very, very nice. Very interesting insight there. Thanks, Nikki. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery, the network load balancer now supports TLS ALPN policies. So that's application layer protocol negotiation. And this is a TLS extension supported by all major browsers that enables negotiation of the protocol used after establishing a TLS connection such as HTTP slash two. So using these policies, you can now offload your application's TLS HTTP two traffic decryption encryption to the NLB, which improves your service security posture and reduces your operational complexity. Amazon VPC now supports bring your own IPv6 addresses. So you can now bring your own, you can advertise your IPv6 addresses onto the internet for public connectivity or use it only for private connectivity to your on-premises networks by advertising them over Direct Connect. 
These can be brought over via the BYOIP work and they work exactly the same, I should say, as the Amazon provided IPv6 addresses. So you can associate these to subnets, ENIs and EC2 instances within your VPCs. Moving over to the topic of security, identity, and compliance. This one's an awesome one. You can now manage access to AWS centrally for Okta users with AWS single sign-on. So customers can now connect their Okta Identity Cloud to AWS single sign-on once and manage access to AWS centrally in AWS SSO and enable end users to sign in using Okta to access all of their assigned AWS accounts. The integration helps customers simplify AWS access management across multiple accounts while maintaining familiar Okta experiences for administrators who manage identities and for end users as they sign in. AWS SSO and Okta Identity Cloud use standards-based automation to provision users and groups into AWS SSO, saving administration time and increasing security. This interoperability enables admins to assign users and groups centrally to their AWS organizations accounts and AWS SSO integrated applications, which makes it easier for an admin to manage access to AWS and ensure Okta users have the right access to the right AWS accounts. Ongoing management has also been simplified. For example, when using group assignments, Okta admins can simply grant or remove AWS account access by adding or removing users from an Okta group. This is super cool announcement. Please check that out. There's plenty more information about it. Last announcement in this topic, new digital course on AWS security, identity, and compliance is now available. It is a new three-hour fundamental digital course developed by the experts at AWS. It is on demand. Again, it's free, and it will teach you about the security pillar of the well-architected framework. It also covers key services used in identity and access management, detective controls, infrastructure protection, and data protection categories. Uh, security, identity, and compliance is sometimes one of those really, really difficult things to understand. So this course sounds really awesome. I might actually check it out. Probably need a refresher on some of this stuff. Yeah, security is everyone's job. Moving on to the topic of storage. Amazon FSx for Windows File Server now enables you to grow storage and to scale performance on your file systems. I have a few customers who've been hanging out for this one, so big shout out to you all. And it now enables you to uh, do this uh, so that you have the flexibility to grow your file storage and to scale up or down the available performance as needed to meet your evolving storage needs over time. So as a reminder, Amazon FSx for Windows File Server is a fully managed, highly reliable file storage built on Windows Server. It supports access across the industry standard server message block or SMB protocol, integrates with Active Directory, and it offers SSD and HDD storage options, single AZ and multi-AZ deployment options, fully managed backups, and it supports encryption of data at rest and in transit. And so now you can increase the storage capacity and change the throughput capacity of your file systems as needed with the click of a button in the console or with an API call. So this means you can now dynamically increase your storage size as your data sets grow. You don't have to over-provision. You can grow them when you need to, and you can also change the throughput as necessary. Update for the AWS Storage Gateway now consolidates alarms and metrics for simplified console monitoring, reporting, and management. So it uh, brings it all together along with the existing CloudWatch metrics, and it gives you continuous visibility into your gateway health and performance all in one place. So you can see what you need to do and take action. Amazon S3 now has support for IPv6 protocol in AWS China Beijing region operated by CINET and AWS China Ningxia region operated by NWCD. So if you want to access your S3 objects using IPv6 via the S3 dual stack endpoint in those regions, you can. 
The Data Lifecycle Manager now has support for scheduling based on cron expressions, and it also has additional backup intervals, including weekly, monthly, and annual schedules. Uh, many of us love cron. <laughs> we live in cron. We know how to use cron. Scheduling the world makes sense in cron. Uh, so now you can use it to do it that way. And you can also now increase the different options you have in terms of the types of backup schedules. So you've got hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, and annual schedules as well. And speaking of schedules, AWS Backup now supports new options for customizing backup selections. So you can now choose to opt in or opt out of AWS Backup support for supported AWS services at the account level. Service opt-in provides an easy to configure solution to ensure that AWS Backup service coverage reflects exactly what you need. It'll also make it easier for customers to opt in when AWS Backup introduces support for a new service without having to change tagging strategies. Now, service opt-in is available for all regions where AWS Backup is available except for Beijing and Ningxia. And lastly, we're moving on to the last topic here, which is AWS solutions. The first one is the serverless bot framework has added a remastered user interface and uses AWS Amplify. Ooh, good choice. Uh, so <laughs> you heartily endorse their choice of, uh, of framework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've updated their serverless bot framework, which is an AWS solution that automatically sets up a chatbot application with sample interactions for that chatbot. It makes use of services such as Lambda to implement the machine learning logic of the chatbot and Poly to turn text responses into lifelike speech. The solution now makes use of user pools, allowing users to securely sign into the chatbot with Cognito. And the web interface has been re-implemented using React.js and AWS Amplify and uses Amazon CloudFront to securely deliver application web assets from S3 to the user. That one is really cool. And the last solution here is real-time analytics with Spark Streaming now supports Spark, SQL, data frames, and more. So they've also updated their real-time analytics with Spark Streaming solution, which is a solution that automatically deploys a highly available cost-effective batch and real-time data analytics architecture that leverages Apache Spark Streaming and Amazon Kinesis. It's designed to support custom Apache Spark streaming applications and leverages Amazon EMR for processing vast amounts of data across dynamically scalable Amazon EC2 instances. It now includes an updated consumer application using the latest version of Spark and leverages modern features such as Spark SQL and data frames, granular custom IAM policies, encryption at rest, flow logs to VPC, Porting sample Spark streaming apps to Java from Scala and several maintenance upgrades such as updating Python to version 3.8 and updating EMR to version 5.29. That one is pretty cool. That's it. Well, that is really a good selection of updates. And before we uh, help people know where to find us, um, often people say, well, you know, I, I, for some people, even keeping up with the AWS podcast is too much. <laughs> we understand that we try and produce lots of content, but some people say, I want more. I want more stories. So there is actually a new AWS podcast called the Fix This Podcast that you can listen to. And to, to give you a bit of a taste for it, it really basically for more stories about AWS customers around the globe, you can check out the AWS Fix This Podcast. Fix This features leaders sharing how they use technology to help solve some of the world's most pressing challenges from ending homelessness to improving patient outcomes to exploring space and more. Starting with episode number 13, you can check out the new Fix This mini-series with guest host Teresa Carlson, who's Vice President of the Worldwide Public Sector with other AWS leaders. So we're taking a deep dive on how public sector organizations around the globe are innovating on behalf of students and citizens and how they're delivering on their missions, no matter what the circumstances. 
So you can listen to the Fix This podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get this podcast. And you can also check them out at adibus.amazon.com forward slash fix dash this dash podcast. So something to add to your listening if you are so inclined. So Nikki, uh, really cool. how do people find you? How do they track you down? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter name is knee as in your knee and a key 23. My name as an ORNM. Uh, please, please reach out to me if you have feedback on the podcast. I know we've been working through some of the audio issues. So we, we do hear you. We are listening and we are making those adjustments um, as we can. Please continue to reach out if you have feedback for us. And I'm sure you'd also love to hear anyone who's using the brand new and shiny G8 Amplify stuff. Of course. <laughs> Obviously, I tweeted about it. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I was clearly very, very excited <laughs> about it. I am still very excited about it. We have this really cool Discord channel now for Amplify, so you can come in there and directly message me or any of the team oh, wow. with feedback. Uh, so that's another good place to talk to us. Very, very cool. Thank you very much, Nikki. And thank you, everyone. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at Amazon.com is the old school place to do that. And until next time. Keep on building.